everybody. This is Pastor DJ, and welcome to another episode of That Podcast. With me, as always, is Sarah DeYoung, Dana Mashevsky, and back by popular demand, Pastor Mark Soljum. Ooh, popular demand. I have the button. Hold on. Yay! Hey, it's, it's not some sort of court-mandated appearance, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, that could be by popular demand as well. So I see. five hours to go. That's right. That's right. Uh, for those of you uh, joining us, you might notice that this is a little bit different format. We're trying out some some new software that Pastor Mark was able to to find for us and and uh, let us know if you if you like this um, layout and the way that we're engaging with you. Please let us know in the comments. You can contact us at uh, um, thatpodcast.net. Where else can they get a hold of us, Sarah? There's a, like an email somewhere, isn't there? Uh, Ryan was just using his email, but you can also send questions and comments in through that podcast.net. You could also just call the church office and ask for Ryan. Well, that works too. And uh, speaking, <laughs> we'll appreciate that. speaking of Ryan, uh, you, you might notice his absence. He's been gone the last uh, uh, week or so. He is in a whole different country. He is doing a uh, whole different continent, whole different continent, even. That's right. And uh, he's in Nicaragua serving with a mission team, um, serving a, a, a local village uh, somewhere in Nicaragua, if I remember correctly, teaching English. Yep. So we shout out to Ryan. He was going to try to join us using this format, but uh, uh, life happens. So um, they're, they're off serving, but uh, hopefully we'll see Ryan again soon. But he's been giving us updates. Things are going well. And uh, um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> So what's going on with all of you? Anything new? No. Can you all tell how, how thin I'm getting? Oh, wow. Look at you. So I'm in, uh, my New Year's resolution was to do the Whole30, and today is my first day of entering a healthy body weight, according to the CDC or whoever is in charge, saying, because I'm this tall, I need to weigh between this much and this much. So I'm on that scale. And, uh, for me, the big, the big happy thing is that, that my pants, uh, fit and I don't have to go shopping. So, which is the real reason why I wanted to do it anyway. So how many days into whole 30 are you this time, DJ? This is day. What day is it today? It is day 13 of 30 for me. And, um, so we're, we're past the grumpy phase is what you're saying. I, I'm, I got the, the, um, oh, what do they call it? The, uh, uh, um, tiger blood. I'm, I'm at the tiger blood stage. I think that's illegal to possess. I'm not yeah. sure, but... I think they're endangered species. Well, and, and I'm not sure... You know, that actually might be on the Whole30. Of all the things you can eat, that actually might be on the tiger. <laughs> you can acquire it. Why not? So you can acquire is your, it. Is your wife doing it as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, well, then uh, she is a tiger mom. Yeah, she is. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, this is kind of the, the sweet spot in between. And then we'll get to about day 17 or 18. And then I literally will eat a peanut butter cup if it falls on the ground for longer than five seconds and gladly <laughs> throw it in my mouth. Um, but I can say what's interesting is that um, it's funny how everything is interconnected. So I had this back uh, and shoulder pain for about two months now. And for the last month, I've been seeing a chiropractor. I've been doing physical therapy. I found out I have like this um, a little bit of a degenerative disc thing going on. Um, some people might call it old man arthritis in my neck. But what I found is that with uh, what I've been doing with physical therapy exercises and chiropractor and now with this diet is that the pain is pretty much gone. Um, wow. I, I like right now I can feel that there's something going on here, but it's not even, I wouldn't even put it on a scale of one to 10 of one. Uh, so are you so, saying that all the extra weight you had was carried right there? Right here. All you the had time. a hump. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Igor. All my peanut butter cups went right here. So <laughs> anyway, that's, that's what's going on. So, um, something different that we're going to be doing in that podcast, uh, for the next, couple months probably is the uh, walking alongside the sermon series that we're doing on Sundays. And uh, Pastor Cross called it um, what I like about God. And so each week we're going to dig deeper into the topics that were brought up 
um, by the preacher in the worship on that Sunday. So the topic for today um, is God, what do you like about God? I'll just start there. So is there anything that you're like, I like that about God? What do you like about God? I like uh, God's creativity. Nice. Um, And we were talking a little bit about God, the creator, but but when you look at the variety um, of stuff just on this here planet, yeah, it's it's really phenomenal. And when you think about um, the vastness of space, um, just the the creativity that's involved in that. I, Absolutely. I mean, even if we we this is an, for another podcast, but even if we were the only people uh, in the universe, you know, if if we're not. That's another matter. But if we were, I mean, just think of the vast creativeness that we would say, well, that's a waste, but it's just sort of a outflow. Do you know, you, it's funny that you say that because it, there's a, I, I don't know if it's a logic thing and I got to study logic probably some more, but have you ever heard the argument that um, it, it's like, it's a scientific impossibility that we would be the only our mathematical impossibility that we would be the only intelligence, intelligent life in the universe. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Well, I've heard, I've heard a lot of those types of things, but that's but assuming you, that we're intelligent. Well, well, right, right, right. Or, or, or life outside of earth, like, like that we would be the only living beings in the universe mm. based on our, our understanding of that. And yet aside from conjecture and anecdotes and, you know, conspiracy theories, the evidence would say we are the only life in the universe that we have. There's there's a fascinating argument, and I forget the term for it right now, that basically if we are not alone in the universe, why haven't we met them? You know, what? why haven't we bumped into them? Well, uh, and, and I would go on to say, and usually when I think about the arguments that come, I think of Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory and how I would respond to him. Um, the inverse of that is to say... It, maybe with we, some riddle in. It, when you look at the complexity of the universe, it is a mathematical improbability, if not impossibility, that that existence on Earth or in the universe itself would come about spontaneously but that there needs to be some type of intelligent creator to bring it about because of the complexity of just DNA. Right. Mm. And mm-hmm. yet the same people who would say it's an improbability is a mathematical improbability or impossibility that we're the only life on earth would at the same time say there is no God. And to me, it seems like it, it would be reversed that if you believe that there's life outside of earth, you would also believe in the existence of God. Do you, are you following where I'm going with that? Because they're both so, mm-hmm. it's such a minute number to think that go, the Goldilocks effect would spontaneously happen where life happens on earth with no creator bringing about that complexity. Several years back, I watched a PBS special that Stephen Hawking had done, and he talked about sort of the Goldilocks effect. He talked about the the vastness of the universe and how life just happens to be thriving in this small corner of the, of the galaxy of the universe. And, um, and I, about, Oh, I don't know, 50 minutes into the show, I was like, wow, I'm so convicted that, that God has created this and that, you know, his amazing creation in it. I had a new respect for what God has done. And then he spent the last 10 minutes explaining away why it could happen without a God. Right. Um, and it it uh, it all revolved around, uh, you know, uh, um, with the vastness of the universe, we just happen to be in the location where this happens, and of course we would be that in the location where it happens because it's the only location where it happened. Right, right. We 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 couldn't be anywhere else. And I, you know, I you, you can't really disagree with that, but right. But uh, it, it's just fascinating. I, people have talked for years about sort of the. the what you call the Goldilocks effect, but also the fine tuning of the universe. There are constants that are, if they're mathematically off one way or another, the universe would expand too quickly right. and planets would not form, uh, you know, the, the, the temperature of how gravity works. All of these things are so precisely tuned right. that you, you got to go, 
well, either it's just an amazing accident um, or somebody's behind it. Yeah, and, uh, and well, what's what I think is interesting about coming to the, the the starting point is to say, well, we exist, therefore, we happen to be in the perfect circumstance for existence to take place, and just leave that it you back. can't that you can't argue with. I mean, uh, it, it's it was perfect for us to be here, right? What I always what, what I find interesting though about and and you know I'm, I'm sure someone will disprove me at some point, but those who are who who are um, have an atheistic outlook that understand physics and specifically astrophysics when talk like, like a Stephen Hawking type, when you start diving down into the complexity of, of a living organism and how that could come about the way that it is now, for me, the argument that, well, it's just, we're in the perfect place at the perfect time. And if you give it enough time, this is what happens just falls short for me. It's, it's too complex. And even Darwin would say that if you can show complexity in a very simple organism, it undercuts his entire theory. Um, and he, write, he writes that in, uh, uh, what was it? it? Whatever his book was, was it from Of Mice to Men or something like that? Um, the Origin of Man. Yeah. That if you can show complexity in, in single-celled organisms, that his entire argument falls apart. Well, he didn't have microscopes at that time. He didn't know about, you know, they had ideas about about what bioorganisms look like. But now when we look at, at you know, single-celled organisms, they're incredibly complex. Yeah, very much so. So. Well, you know, the universe tends to, uh, to uh, um, go from a state of organization to a state of disorganization, entropy, right? And so how would it become more complex without a force making it more complex. Let me use an example. How would my house become cleaner? Uh, it, it by itself becomes more dirty, but how would it become cleaner without an effort being well, put into it? And the argument would be, well, if you give it enough time uh, and, and then it you, will become clean for you. I've been trying that for about 10 years and it is not working out. For well, you to, for me. well, that's, you need, you need about 7 million years. And then your house will evolve into an entirely different form. I see. Yes. It, it may not I turn see. out to be the, the, the evolutionary traits that you want, i.e. a cleaner house, uh, but it'll def <laughs> definitely change. It will change. It'll I will change. agree with that. I will agree <laughs> with that. And, and I think that, you know, the fascinating thing, uh, uh, if you're a Marvel fan, uh, you know that they have, they have stepped off the deep end into multiverse stuff, uh, which... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it just makes it super complex to understand. And of course, nobody ever dies because they pull somebody in from a different version of a universe. But but string theory uh, uses multiverse. Um, it has to. As it, it has to. Um, but it also, uh, that was Stephen Hawking's last explanation for why Earth. Because not only did it is this galaxy perfectly tuned, we just happen to be out of the infinite possibility of galaxies that there are, we just happen to be in the infinitely tuned one. Isn't that um, great when, when science becomes philosophy and you just start yeah. building, he's building a cosmology of existence. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I, you know, I think for a lot of those um, uh, people, when they get to that level, uh, especially if they're not a, of a faith background, then they have to build themselves a worldview and a philosophy and a lens to look through right. in order to sort of cope with that information. Right. And, and to justify it. So, but what I would say is at that point, it's no longer science, it's philosophy and philosophy mm -hmm. is fine. I mean, philosophy is your worldview and that's fine. But it's, but it's philosophy, uh, 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 uh pretending to be science. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, which I'm fine with it if you just say, all right, I'm stepping beyond um, science now and I'm speculating into philosophical matters. Right. And, you know, this is this is the worldview that I have based on the evidence that I see in the world. Great. Well, let's talk about what the evidence is as compared to what you're saying is evidence. So, sure. well, and, and uh, you know, a scientist has a lot of difficulty. Um, we as uh, uh as uh, 
Christians have an easier time saying, here's the realm of of science and everything that is created, uh, and God exists outside of that. Right. And science cannot sort of, uh, science cannot um, empirically analyze anything that's outside of creation. Mm-hmm. So once they start saying there's no God because we just happen to be in this area, well, now you're speculating outside of what science could do. And like you said, it just becomes philosophy. Absolutely right. Well, I think we've bored to death, Sarah and Dana. Um, do you guys have anything you want to add? Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> I, I was checking them off in my brain. We got all the 13-letter Scrabble words, so we're good. Nice. So wh- when you guys think about, like, creating something, is there anything that you've ever created that you can look look and say, I created that? Uh, those. Well, I was going to say, Dana, you created that really cool poster of, you know, that's I, I, to say nothing yeah, more. Yeah, I do. I do art things. Yeah, but you you created it. It came out of your imagination. Your um, uh, your your hands did the work. All that stuff, right? Do you take pride yeah, in the things else that you create? Impressive. What's that? They're like, I don't know. It doesn't seem all that impressive when I like think about it. That, it, it isn't because you know how to you know how to draw. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at my stick figures, you're like, wow, Mark, that's great. Well, that leads me to the next thing based on what you just said there. Do you think God, looking at his creation, God is the creator? This is this is the topic that uh, Pastor Cross got into on Sunday, and there's implications with that. Do you think God has the same response toward his creation that you just did, Dana? Like, yeah, it's not that great. Have you ever thought about Sometimes that? Sometimes you ever like just look at humanity and you go, yep, that's a thing. Do you ever think God just goes, ugh? I like to think that God also doesn't know how to just like accept a compliment. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's just, it's just, it's just this little thing. It's just so, so God is Scandinavian. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's like, I, I don't remember reading through Genesis and God saying, well, that's not too bad. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's all right. It'll do. Boy, It'll God, the, the birds that you created are amazing. Eh, it could be worse. And on the seventh day, God just shrugged. <laughs> <laughs> and on the seventh day, God just shrugged. so in genesis 1 1 it says in the beginning so that's kind of the first thing about having a creator is wrapping your head around beginning and we were talking a little bit about that one way that um i've heard um astrophysicists speak about the beginning are you know um the, the big bang everyone seems to agree that the big bang is how creation expanded but at the beginning, before it was the beginning, it was actually a previous universe that collapsed in on itself and then immediately exploded again. Have any of you ever heard that before? Which means there really isn't a beginning, per se, of creation, but a beginning of this universe at the death of the previous universe that we're in. Is, is the idea of a beginning hard to grasp? I think it's easier to to grasp that than there was no beginning. the the whole The whole uh, it's always been and always will be thing is more difficult for me. I think because we're like linear. Yeah, I think we have lifetimes, so it's easier to understand that everything else also has Mm -hmm. a beginning and an end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's what I was going to say. I think it's hard to grasp a beginning without an end. Like what was happening before that ended before this started you know um the way that i work my own brain through it is to talk about like because people will say we get confirmation kids and sunday school kids that will say well if god created everything who created god this idea that there could be a being that's the the source of creation you know what does that look like and i think that has to do with understanding the dimension of time we can't imagine not some form of existence. Even when we think about like 
you know, think about something that happened before you were born. You know that happened because existence was happening, but it was before your time. Um, if God is truly God, God is outside of the dimension of time and therefore not limited by it. So even before there was time and space for the four dimensions, God, God is. Um, you know, and that's kind of the message in the Bible over and over again. God is the beginning. God is the end. God is. Uh, as the part of the creation, we're limited by the dimensions of reality that we experience. And as Mark mentioned earlier, string theory would say there's more than those four dimensions. I think they, there's a number that like as many as 19 dimensions. I was going to say 10. I thought they were up to 10, but now 19. Um, I'm just thinking of the, the, the um, oh, what's that guy's name? He's a really smart guy. <laughs> that narrows it down. <laughs> he talks about these things called brains in oh. reality. Yep, and yep. It's hard to wrap. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. But I want to say he had mathematically he had said for the math to work, there needs to be several more dimensions than just the four that we know of for existence to exist. Well, and that's actually uh, that's actually what uh, what it revolves around is math. Like it, the number of dimensions they start counting, we can't actually uh, observe. Right, but they just speculate that they're there to make the math theory work. Right, and um, it, it, I'm not putting down on it because there's a lot of smart people working on that. But yeah, uh, you know, 50 years ago it was one theory, and they were trying to make work, and then they've come up to string theory, and they've been trying to unite string theory with different things, and um, so it's definitely sort of a math thing in progress. And well, yeah, and it's it, part of the problem make sure is that, that it all is that we observe, we observe really big things doing things differently than really small things. And mm. so, so the grand unified theory is, well, what are the rules that would allow the really small things to do what they do and the really big things to do what they do, even though they seem to be in, in juxtaposition or, or complete opposites of each other? Like if you go down into the, the microscopic universe where we're all inside of an atom, we can observe that things are happening spontaneously and um, 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 randomly. So one minute we're talking to Dana, the next moment Dana disappears and um, uh, Lady Gaga is in her place. And then uh, Mark's shirt turns blue and uh, you know Sarah, Sarah suddenly gets pink hair. There's random seemingly random events that take place on, on the microscopic level, on the quantum level that supposedly we can observe that when you go to the really big stuff, like the, the, the movement of planets in, in the universe, those things don't happen. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a constancy at some point. And so string theory is a, an idea, I guess, to help to bring together those things and to say the reason why we can't, make sense of it is because we haven't observed the pieces that go from the very small things to the very big things. So there must be other dimensions that are influencing those things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Cause they're trying to sort of quantify that it's, there's some sort of, some sort of uh, empirical force operating on these pieces. Right. Yep. Um, for me, what I love about string theory is I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Now I see why God does that, that, that there are vibrations and I like music and I just think music, it kind of brings, uh, order out of chaos, um, that all of creation functions on these, these vibrations that are caused at a, at a quantum level by God. And they may seem random in the very small, but as they play out, they make complete sense like a string in a tapestry that, that brings it all together. Well, so um, we're we're a little we're getting a little far off the main topic, but this it's interesting um, because like my kids, uh, when they reached oh I don't know probably early high school, then they started to take some math or some science classes that revolved around these questions and um, how Christians have responded to them over the years has been sort of fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because. Uh, I, I find a spectrum of <clears throat> where people are on this. Um, like either they're very literal 
and they are using the Bible to try and calculate an exact start time of the universe and this whole six creation and six day um, theory. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what did Pastor Cross said? It was like October or something. He knew the date that they've calculated it back to. Right, right, right. It was an October afternoon or something. Um, So, you know, either you you go that way um, or you go to uh, what some scientists have done and say, uh, the Bible can say nothing about creation. It, it doesn't understand anything. And so you're on the other side. And so a lot of Christians are left sort of in the middle going, right. I, I don't know what to do because like um, for me personally, I, I think the science is observing real things yep. and um, and they're trying their best to understand the, the universe. Um, and I think that uh, the Bible also says something very true about creation. So mm-hmm. God is the creator. Um, but I can look at Genesis and and say, um, it. I think it says who more than how. Right. And well, it, so it, then I'm left in the middle, right? Yeah. And so uh, it, it's it's a dirty word in some circles. Uh, but I think that intelligent design theory makes a lot of sense. That like the science is proving out how. Yep. And the Bible's telling us who. So I can go, wow, the how is amazing because I know who. Yeah, and I think the the complexity, if this stuff was simple, then I don't think it would show the the, the glory of God. Like like creation should be complex, and we know it to be complex, and, and even understanding how creation works, uh, physics, um, is complex. Um, you know, this, this brings back to, the next part that we read about this creator is that God's not someone who just winds up the toy and lets it go. The witness of scripture speaks about God creating and creating you creating humans in God's own image, which implies a couple of things. God is about creating relationship in this vast universe. And so now you have an answer to that question. Well, we just happen to be in the perfect place in the perfect time. The, the why question why were are we in the perfect place at the perfect time? Why do we exist? Why do we have self-awareness? Well, we, we have these things because we're made in the image of God and God wants to be in relationship with us um, as the rest of scripture will attest. But it also gives a responsibility that when God makes us in God's image, God makes us to be in relationship with him, but we're also given responsibilities, which is you are the stewards of creation. And I don't know if you feel this way about it, but, you know, I mean, we, we hear about constantly in the news about how we're destroying the world. We're destroying each other. And I think there's some truth to that. We're all sinners. Um, but this thought that, you know what, all the problems in the world that are man-made, that's that's on us. Uh, uh, it's our mess. And, and I think that gives a bit of a sense of responsibility of, you know, we're, we're going to ultimately have to answer for the things that we've done. And the one we're going to answer to is our creator. So you're saying that my house is not going to magically sort of clean itself up. And, um, and that's on me. Well, it is kind of magical because God created you with two hands. Oh, lies back on me to steward. (laughs) You know, I, I thought I would have children so that they would do the chores. Uh, and little did I find out that, uh, yes, they do help with chores, but there's far more work created from them than there is solved from them. Well, and there's another brilliance of creation aside from Dana's artistic work. Uh, uh, Mark, you and I can say that we've been co-creators with our spouses in creating little versions of ourselves. And, you know, if you're going to be a steward, work, work smarter, not harder, make more of you and get, and put them to work. So... (laughs) This is true. I do not feel like I'm working smarter at this point. I've just been working harder. Yes. <laughs> maybe it'll, maybe I'll I'll reach that point someday. So, and, um, and I love my children dearly, but uh, uh, I'm not sure that uh, hopefully I've unleashed good upon the world and not evil. So, <laughs> well, you may have released uh, the greatest criminal mind of our age. I'm not going to say which one, but. Uh... You got a couple of geniuses in your house that could use it for mad science. I'm, I'm not sure. Yes. What are uh, we going to do tonight, brain? <laughs> um, 
I, I think another issue with the idea of God as creator has to do with just the theory of, of evolution itself. And I wanted to share something with you guys. Like, do you think evolution as a theory, um, you know, uh, Darwinian evolution that, that we started as that all of life started as basically a micro, a microscopic organism that expanded into uh, not just the tree of life, but like a grow, uh, all, all, all of life is, is intertwined that we're related to all the animals or we're humans are, are creatures just like everything else. Um, you know, that's, that's what biological Darwinian evolution is. That's where it starts that we all came from the same primordial goo and over time have developed into just this, this vast, uh, expanse of life on earth as compared to any other place. I, I don't really relate to the primordial goo, except maybe after Thanksgiving dinner. Then I just sort of feel TMI, Mark, TMI. I, I just, you know, when you eat too much, you kind of feel like, wow, I, I shouldn't have done that. Boy, that was a mistake. I made a horrible decision. Yeah. I'm reverting to goo. Well, and, and so you, you talked earlier about the way Christians respond. A, a bit of it has to do with, I think, reading into the Bible and putting limits on what the Scripture is saying um, and, and what it's trying to do, right? Like, if you try to read Scripture as a scientific journal or something like that, it's going to fall short because it's not meant to do that. The witness isn't meant to do that. Um, I think people get wrapped up too much in the world was created in six literal days. And if you don't agree with that, then you don't believe in, in God. Um, I think the way that Christians respond to a secular world is important to, to say, Hey, what you observe is what I observe. We can agree on what's observable. Now, how do we understand it? And it's the same with the Bible too. When you read Genesis one and two, it really is not, one expanding story. It's actually two creation stories that are taking place. And the first one, which talks about creation of everything and ends with God creating male and female in his own image as humans equal, by the way, um, it starts, it, it's poetry. Um, if you read it in the Hebrew, the six, six days of creation with the seventh day is poetry. And if you understand that it's poetry, you can read it as, um, figurative truth rather than literal truth. And what you see then is the order of creation that's happening is very similar to what we know from observable science about the creation of the universe. Um, the issue has to do with a 24 hour day. And that is not demanded by the first chapter of Genesis. The word yom does mean a 24-hour day. But if you look at the sequence of events in chapter 1, before there's a sun, there's light. And so to think that there's there has to be a 24-hour day placed on there is, I think, a stretch of what Scripture is actually saying. Because Yom can also mean, in a figurative sense, back in my day, right? Mm. Like, I've been watching this series about the 80s, and that's what comes to my head. Ah, this was this was my day. I remember all that stuff. That's when like that those are the good old days, right? Well, that doesn't mean a 24-hour little were day. Means, what's that? Were they the good old days? You know, uh uh it it uh it, it in the in the rearview mirror it sure looks like it. <laughs> Until we remember all the things that we had to do. You know, I, I think I think there was a lot more childhood freedom uh bereft of consequence or in spite of it like we just weren't aware of it so i mean i would i would be told by my mom who was a teacher during the summer in a small town in north dakota go outside don't come home until dinner you know and not exactly in those words but it was basically go play outside and we were given free reign to play anywhere in the town and knew that we were safe um at least safe from harm from other people uh, you know, we were doing, we would stuff. inflict our own injuries. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And it, we it, liked it. Speaking of it, natural selection as it should be, you know, uh, the kid who eats <laughs> too many marbles doesn't grow up to have kids of his own, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but when you're looking at, at the Genesis story in, in Genesis one, I think that reading it 
as figurative truth rather than literal truth um, makes sense with with what is happening in observable science or observable facts. Now, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Whether the world was created in six literal days or not, hey, great. I believe God can do in either case. I just think that in reading Genesis six, Genesis one, figuratively, and Yom not as a twenty-four hour day, but as an expanse of time, like in, like the first age, the second age, the third age, takes away one of the big problems of time, which is the difference between atheists and Christians. It's often just an argument over time. They they argue that you need a lot of time for creation to happen, regardless of a God, and Christians can, I think, argue in a way that is unhelpful by saying, no, it has to be six literal days for there to be a God. I disagree with that. And there is a, um, a sci- uh, 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 an article that I read called, um, it says, Christians point to genetics breakthroughs to show Adam and Eve are not incompatible with evolution. And um, what I find interesting about that is that if you read the Genesis narrative, chapter one, as figurative, when it zooms into chapter two, when you hear about God creating Adam and Eve and breathing life into them, um, that needs to be historical. That has to be an historic event. What that means is that creation can happen through evolutionary means in Genesis one, and then God with his own hands makes and takes time in creating Adam and Eve and breathing life into them. What what we've learned from genetics is that it is possible that all of creation would still be descended from Adam and Eve, regardless of whether there was an evolutionary development of humanity prior to that. And if you read Genesis carefully up until uh, Abraham, you find that the Bible can agree with that. And that once we get to the flood, all of creation is descended from Adam and Eve through Noah and his family. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't then discount uh, the under, it, it doesn't make it where scripture has to discount what science is showing because all this is speculation ultimately. Does that make sense? Did I get really confusing there? Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting that um, we're, we're talking about a text that was written, what, maybe 5,000 years ago? Um, uh, um, during the time of Moses, 1,446 BC. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> so 3,500. 3, sure. Uh, so we're talking about a text 3,500 years old, written to uh, 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 a people that had a, did not have a modern understanding of science, um, but a text that communicated something about our creator and um, whose we are and how the creation was lovingly created and we were placed in it. Right. Um, I think when we, all of a sudden we put all of these um, uh, scientific sort of weights upon a text like that, it sort of misses the point of the genre, the time that it was written in, the audience that it was written to. Um, you know, all of those things you need to take into account when you're reading a text like that. I, I think the biggest issue, and, and I'm speaking just to Christians here, is that if your faith rests on a six-day young earth creation, it's resting in the wrong thing. Because my faith does not rest on whether or not evolution is a real thing or whether the world was created in six days. My faith rests in Jesus Christ, and it's through Jesus Christ that I discover that the creator of all things is my heavenly father who wants to be in relationship with me. That frees Mm -hmm. me to look at scripture with an eye of wonder and to be like, oh, wow, it says this, and it speaks to you in such a way that you then observe certain things around you. Does that make sense? I think yeah, and, looking at it in the form of you have to think about it that God is great. He could literally create it in a 24 hour period or whatever time period. Not that God created this in six days. That's why he is great. Yeah. Flipping your sentence of it. 
Yeah. Exactly. And God then becomes our anchor for all. I mean, you take God out of the equation. People will come up with all kinds of crazy ideas. We could all be in the matrix. Um, you know, we, we, we could all be just bubbles that are feeding bioelectricity to giant robots. How do you know? Who can say? Do you right? think that's air that you're breathing, DJ? <laughs> I think I like it more to say that this could be our Whoville rather than. That's what I thought of. Was I was like, rather be on just Horton's like trunk. I, I watched uh, the Men in Black movies this last weekend, and I'm like, oh, we're just in a we're in a locker in you know some bus yeah. station. We're all just little hanging off a cat. We wouldn't know. <laughs> The witness of scripture gives you a grounding that there is a creator and this creator wants to be in a relationship with you and goes a step further to say this, this creator wants to be known as your heavenly father, wants to be in a relationship with you. I find um, for myself, ideas of creation that remove God from the picture are really lonely. Um. I, I can't say I've, I've been don't you think that's uh, don't you think that's the desperate search for other people in the universe I do uh, are, are we alone uh be sort of a I I hope we're not because you know and it's comforting to know that we're not alone yeah well and and just you know I think people can get wrapped up in thinking well science explains everything and science explains that there isn't a God to me that you know Okay, you're 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 looking at observable evidence, and yet what you're missing from that are things that are absolutely essential to the human existence, such as purpose, such as hope, such as mm -hmm. um, relationship, love. These are all important things that are not uh, based on observable evidence per se, but are about the human experience. There there has to be more than just observable evidence to come to whatever conclusions you want. Um, well, I think if you're looking to creation to prove that, that God exists, I mean, if, if, if your faith rests upon, you know, the Bible being true in that way, you probably would be better off spending your time uh, recognizing that, that about the incarnation, that yeah. God became man came to earth, revealed his true nature to ourselves in the most pure way that we've seen. Um, you know, scripture is God speaking through the prophets. Jesus is God on earth. Um, yeah. And if you want a historical event to, to pin your faith on, I would pin it on the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ, uh, his death and resurrection. Um, that's what I would pin my hope on rather than uh, how the earth was created or if the Genesis account is accurate or, um, you know, I still say it says something about who and less about how. I agree with you on that. Um, and like I said, uh, based on this article that I read, what I found interesting about it is that this is something we've talked about on the podcast before, that it's speculation, but you can read Revelation not as a scientific uh, how done it. But if you start with the whodunit and look at the narrative in its literary form, you actually have two stories that are telling about who God is in creation more so than how creation came about. Um, you mentioned uh, resting your faith on the incarnation of God, where God reveals himself. And that's, that's the truth for any Christian. Our faith rests in Jesus Christ and should more so than anything else, mm -hmm. that Jesus Christ is truly God, truly man, that he died for your sins, that he is your savior, that you are in relationship with God because of him. Jesus does something else in that this all-powerful, almighty being that we call God becomes, on account of Jesus, your father. Do you think the father language of God is harmful to the witness of Christianity today? I had a good experience with my father. Um and I know not everybody did, but um, so for me, that's an easy piece. Um, but I, I know people that have lost their father um, or have had an abusive father, and that can be um, problematic for them uh, because it brings up some of that trauma. I don't know. Ladies, do you have any insight on that? 
I've always found it to almost be a little bit confusing, not necessarily harmful, but kind of another hurdle you have to get through. Because I think even if you did have a good father, kind of having to explain to somebody who isn't a Christian or isn't a believer, you know, well, why I have a good father, why do I need another one type of outlook on it? Mm -hmm. So trying to explain that piece of it too, I feel it can be a little bit more confusing, not necessarily harmful, but just kind of another hurdle to get through in the explanation piece. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that um, just like, just like trying to read into scripture, you know, creation has to be done by God in this way, rather than seeing that God is the one doing creation. When we hear about God as Heavenly Father, our own experiences can paint into us what that means for God, rather than seeing that God is the example that parents are supposed to follow to be good parents to their kids. It's it's a reversal. It's got to be God moving first in, in both c- circumstances creation itself, but also what a proper relationship with a parental parental figure should look like. Um, you know, and regardless of whether you've had a good experience or a bad experience with your parents, do you think that there's like a, like a craving in all of us of, you know, wanting to have a, an ideal father figure, an ideal mother figure in our life? Is there, is there a want for that, do you think? I would say yes. Um, I was looking to not step on other people's toes. But I would say yes. However, um, I think some people reject it out of, that, out of past trauma that they've had. Yeah, trauma is the key, the, the sin entering into the world. I, I, just, I was thinking about this because uh, a, a, an American father figure just passed away just two days ago, Bob Saget. How many of us grew up with him? as like the ideal father figure on TV toward his kids. Well, I'll go further back. I mean, you know, the I mean, I mean he's sort of the ideal father figure with funny home videos. So that, yes. that's, that's kind of my, that's awesome. <laughs> but you could go, you could say the same thing with Bill Cosby, someone who, you know, oh, he, he yeah. didn't die, but just a fall from grace of the ideal father figure for America. I mean, he was known as mm-hmm. the father of America during the eighties. Mm hmm. I think there's a drive in us from a young age of wanting to have a relationship with both a father and a mother. Both of our parental figures are examples of, of what it means to live and to be a fully formed human. Um, and that that image is actually not the ideal, but it's an image of, of how God relates to us. That God is the ideal parent who wants to be in relationship with us and our parents are stewarded or called uh, to carry out that image, to, to be that parent, the way that God loves us. It's imperfect, but it's meant to be an example of that. And when parents fail that it causes all kinds of harm on, on children. Wouldn't we agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think we also run into, I'm going to steal a Paulism of the, by doing it right, you have the right form of the pull, the tension. Isn't because... that from Kung Fu Panda? Don't they do something like that? Where... <laughs> Maybe. I can see that. Jack Black. What's... <laughs> How do you do that one where they give the fingers? <laughs> one on each side. I don't know. <laughs> that chin <that> skill. <laughs> but I think it's the, the pull of everybody wants to be kind of loved by that that perfect, you know, creator, that perfect thing. But then at the same time, we are sinful and we fall back on that and aren't, we don't, we want that love, but we don't feel deserving of it at the same time. It's the quote from the book in the movie. Oh, that book in that movie? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I will get, uh, about that person being a wallflower. Oh, Which we one? accept the love we think we deserve. Yeah. What is that from? Perks of Being a Wallflower. It's with a uh, oh, who's it? Paul Rudd and uh, Logan Lerman. Yep. And and uh, like Emma Watson. Yes. I will look it up. <laughs> Can you say the quote again? We accept the love we think we deserve. Oh. Mm. True. True. 
Mm. All right. Well, um, any other things that we want to bring up about creator or father that, that you're thinking about that's come to your mind that you just, I got to, I got to get this out. Otherwise I'll forget. I, I was just thinking about fathers and um, uh, I'm a Harry Potter uh, fan. I, I've, I've read the books with my kids. I, I think all of you have read the book uh, books. Um, and there's a story about JK. Oh, don't look at me like that, Sarah. There's way way about, better than the movies, Sarah. Way better than the movies. Oh, well, there's a story fair, about Sarah. this year. There's a story about J.K. Rowling wanting to kill off Arthur Weasley um, in whatever book that is. Book four, five. Five. Um, it's it's five. in the movie too, Sarah. So you should you should know that. But uh, um, she she decided not to because he was one of the last remaining good father figures in the story and didn't want to do that uh, because the fans had really become sort of uh, enamored with, with Arthur Weasley as sort of a, a good father. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th I think there's a desire for that. It, it just plays off like that. Very good. Very good. Um, one more thing I wanted to share, and I, I, I probably shared it with all of you guys before. I don't know if people on the podcast have heard this, but when God creates Adam and Eve, it says that God breathed into them. And the, and the word for breath in the Old Testament is ruach. It's got this sound at the end of it, like a breath. It means spirit. And in the creation, in, in Genesis 1, all three persons of the Trinity are present. You have in the beginning, God created. Well, how did God create? He spoke. We hear in, the, in John that the one speaking is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's that's the incarnate Jesus Christ before he, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And hovering over all of this is the Spirit. So all three of the Trinity are present. But what I find interesting for my myself when I learn this is how everything that breathes is designed to make certain sounds, sounds that are, are hard to hear or recognize. But every time that we breathe, take a big breath in with me. Everybody breathe in. Now breathe out. If you notice, when you breathe in, you made a yaw sound. And when you breathe out, you make a ha sound. We hear in the Old Testament when God reveals his true name to Moses, it's unpronounceable. It's, it's, it's Y-H-W-H. And in the, in the Old Testament, wherever you see the word Lord in all caps, that doesn't actually say the word Lord. It says Yahweh or, or God's holy name. And I just find it interesting that God breathing creates creation and that the name for God is imprinted on our being so much that every breath we take praises his name. Because every breath you take in makes a yah sound and every breath out makes a ha sound. So every time you're breathing, you're saying Yahweh. So if you think about that, um, when you're calm and you're praying or something and your breathing relaxes, you're just saying Yahweh, 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 over and over again. If you're scared and you're running away from a dog or something like that, you're saying Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. For me, I find that a great comfort to think that every breath I take is is praying. It's it's connecting with God. What do you guys think of that? Meh. Neat. My. It, it reminds me, my grandmother used to, uh, uh, instead of just saying yes, she would breathe in while she said yes. And, and it, it's it's sort of a yeah, yeah, yeah. thing that she did. And uh, I, I don't know if that related, if she was just ahead of her time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> also, once you started every breath you take, uh, I, I immediately <laughs> went to... <laughs> I'll be watching, watching you. That's not what we're yes. doing here. Which is, which is, that's that's creepy. So, so, uh, so aside, I, I was I was uh, doing the dishes, listening to to eighties music on um, Amazon, 
Is that, is that the, the, the music, the, the best music ever? Is that what yes. you're saying? Yeah, so kind of what I'm implying. Uh, it's all been downhill since then. But they played two police songs, and both of them are creepy. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't heard the rest of that album, but I'm just like, man, Sting was messed up in the 80s. I don't know what was going on in his world. It, you know, talk about uh, think looking back on things with rose-colored glasses. You listen to some of the lyrics now, and you're like, Oh, I didn't know that's what that meant. Or uh, uh, that that song, Let's Get Physical, that everybody did their dance routine to. Yeah. They're like, ooh. I think I that's think not the, what that meant. The, the, there's the, a whole the video doesn't match up with the song, does it? No. There's a whole TikTok trend right now of listening to songs you listened to like when you were in middle school, high school. As an yep. adult, it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Yes. What? The things that went past our ears when we were young and and naive. Mm-hmm. So when, but Abby, after years of years of breathing, in and out, I now know. When my when my sixteen year old was um, six, she there was a popular song on the radio. I can't remember the name of the band. I just remember this one verse. It was like, um, "Getting high as the Empire State." Maybe you know the song I'm, I'm thinking of. Maybe you don't. I, it's a band from the 2000s. And um, we we would play that on the radio and didn't think twice about it because as parents, not really listening to what it's saying. Well, Addie was learning the entire song and in school was singing that song. We got a call from her teacher. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's by Jay-Z. Is that Jay-Z? Right? Yeah, I don't know. New York. Empire. Empire State of Mind. I I, I don't think it was Jay Z. I want to say it was uh, it was some guy singing a song, and one of the lines is getting getting high, higher, uh, getting high as the I don't know. You'll have to do some some research into that. I do, I do, I do. But that, yeah, that was on radio that she was singing along to and had picked up. It was popular music in the early 2000s. So that is a whole podcast in itself. It really is. Early 2000s. That'd Pretty be a good, good stuff, wasn't it? Some best music of the time. Best music of the time. <laughs> it it was it happened. That's why Weird Al is favored in our house. Uh, we are young. So I set the Oh, world. yeah. That song? Fun. Like fun. We are young. Yeah, fun. Do you remember the name of the band? Fun. The band's name is Fun? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What's What's the name of the band? Fun. <laughs> the name of the band. Who? That's like the What does IDK stand for? I don't know. <laughs> I'll look it up. <laughs> <laughs> all right well, uh, there... uh, laugh out loud <laughs> all right well should we should we call it a day was that good enough for uh public consumption you got it all figured out yeah mm-hmm. interested right. to see what uh, the next weeks will bring well you know what yeah it, tune in this upcoming sunday um sunday uh, uh what is what is this sunday uh january something and um, join us in worship 16th? at uh, January 16th, January 16th at atonement.live. You can join us online or on site. We have a traditions worship at nine o'clock. We have a, uh, uh, a modern worship at 1030 and both will be um, broadcast at nine and 1030 respectively. And there you'll hear the next topic from, I believe, Pastor Cross is preaching on in this sermon series on what I like about God. This first one had to do with being the creator. Who knows what the next one is going to be? But I think we're going to go we're going to go deep and wide in everything that the Bible has to offer about who God is and, and who God is for us. So please join us for that. If you would like to uh, like and subscribe to that podcast, we'd really appreciate that. You can find that podcast at YouTube. You can find it at um, uh, um, thatpodcast.net and wherever podcasts are heard. I listen to the, I listen to this podcast, not this podcast, but that podcast at Atonement on Spotify myself. So on behalf of... Why don't you listen to this podcast, DJ? I don't listen to this podcast. I listen to that podcast. What? Where? Where is what? that podcast? Where, 
And so, uh, without Ryan, everything just gets derailed, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? I have no idea. I never did come up with a good good byline, so we'll see what I come up with. Um, uh, on behalf of Sarah DeYoung, uh, Dana Mashevsky, and Pastor Mark Soljum, I'm Pastor DJ Lura, and this has been another stupendous episode of that podcast. Wow, that's riveting. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.